Hello, Joanna. Hi, Marietta. And, Hi. Uh, How are you? <laughs> I am good. Uh, thank you. How are you doing? I You've been out flying. Yes, I've been flying. I could probably talk about that experience as well today. Uh, the whole traveling experience. It's always so full of, you know, good and bad stuff happening and, and people handling things in good and, and bad ways. Um, but to avoid me spinning totally off before we even pre uh, presented today's theme or subject. Um, yeah, the conclusion is it was fine. I was an hour delayed, but, you know, it's not you, the worst. You made it because uh, what people don't know is that it's been like really windy here <laughs> today. Yeah. It was about, uh, I think, up till 20 second meters per, uh, like or meters per second um, in Tromsø. So, yeah, almost every flight was delayed. Some of them were canceled and it was a really bumpy ride, um, which, you know, could scare, I guess, anyone. Um, I'm not that afraid of flying, but, you know, I was thinking about it when I was sitting there holding, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. But we're not supposed to talk about flight experiences today. We're supposed to talk about um, something that I've been wanting to address actually for quite a while. And just by coincidence, you are giving uh, sort of a keynote uh, on this subject as well. We're talking about lawyer-client experiences. Yeah. And yeah, you want to start by why this is something that you find interesting. I suppose you have a client that may be a lawyer company. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Actually, um, it's been a really uh, cool case and um, I've been invited. Uh, so actually today when this podcast goes out, I'll also be giving, as you mentioned, a talk at the Women in CX uh, community, which is about presenting uh, really very much the methodology we use to help a uh, legal firm based here in uh, Norway to develop their customer experience vision, uh, customer promise, and um, and do it in a manner that actually involved all the employees so that they could also not only create this vision and promise, but also know what it would mean to actually deliver on it. So it's been, it's been a really cool journey uh, together with the company that's, that we've actually taken good time with over the last year so so that's the reasoning why we thought we could talk a little bit about um the legal experience <laughs> yeah so so let me ask you how did you find the legal experience or you know the lawyer experience to be when you first met these people because obviously these guys were a bit ahead of themselves you know initiating something like this working with you uh, but how did you find it? I'm I'm quite curious to know because this is a group of, you know, uh, these guys provide a service that, you know, not everyone, but most people during a lifetime are, well, you know, somewhat or one way or another in dialogue with a lawyer at some point, you know, whether it's a big thing or a small thing. Um, and as you may have guessed already, I haven't been too impressed by what I've seen, heard, and also from a from a CX perspective. So I'll share a little bit about that uh, eventually, but I really want to hear your take on, you know, how was the first meetings? How did they talk about their clients? How was that? Yeah, actually, um, I mean, I am um, a huge fan of uh, this company that I've been working with 
really from the offset because of the not only that it was really quite funny because the way the case started was that I was on stage and I was a bit I was doing a bit of my sort of evangelist for customer experience and uh, when I actually come off stage the very first person who came to greet me was one of the managers and and main um, investors of this uh, legal company and just said we have got to work on this this is something we really need to promote and um and so yeah they were really forward thinking uh of mm. actually doing this work there i um i'm not aware of any legal companies within the nordic <laughs> hemisphere who have worked with customer experience but they probably have but um anyway yeah. Um, yeah, no, so the, the first interactions were really, really positive. Uh, in fact, I was surprised because I was thinking that, uh, yeah, you know, you would come to this uh, environment and it was a beautiful environment. I mean, their offices are absolutely amazing, but they're yeah. also very relaxing, um, which is a nice thing. Because it's quite high, you know, there's, there are suits and ties and, and shirts and yeah yes and no so i mean i've um they actually have a relaxed sort of dress code uh, at the um office that i uh, i've been working with the client i've been working with so they dress smart but they're not necessarily dressed in 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 suits and ties all the time of course it depends who they would be meeting of their clients because yeah. they um corporate leaders who need a client uh, a lawyer to help them manage a lot of their legal documents to a private um yeah. person like you or me who needs help with uh i, I don't know what it would be uh, a mortgage but or a divorce is this, or... is this a company that does do they have sort of specific types of law that they um help with or do they basically have all of it they oh, actually have, they cover a huge part of it so they have uh, i think there's about 40 different lawyers who specialize in different areas um mm -hmm. everything from human resources to business to um estate management um yeah. so so it's quite a, a wide expertise of, yeah. of services that they offer so um so and my i think theory maybe this... they're outside of oslo well they also are in the, yeah but their their main office is based outside of oslo and i think it really sort of represents i mean i'm from tonsberg but they're a little bit more relaxed manner yeah. of being which might affect the fact that they're that they are a more local or regional um, yeah maybe I uh, might, well, I've been working with and dealing with and talking to, and, you know, for various reasons, been in touch with uh, law firms or, or just lawyers who are um, single persons running their own sort of law aid business mm -hmm. uh, or what you would call it. And my impression is this. So this is just a theory. I don't really have any research to back it up with, but, um, you know, based, or if you, if you don't look at the experiences that I made my, uh, you know, but uh, when working in Netigate, which is an, an insight and analysis company, we had one or two, I think, law firms who were customers. So Netigate is a very low, um, low key, or it used to be at least, very simple tool. It's a survey tool. So you create the kind of survey you want, whether it's a customer uh, survey or if it's an employee survey 
or anything in between. It could be a registering form or, you know, you could use the technology to basically, you know, get feedback in, you know, so many various and uh, different ways. So we had a few law firms and, and my experience back then, this was in 2017, uh, 2016, 2017, was that these law firms, they didn't even want to re- refer to their customers as customers. They kept calling them clients and they kept sort of this distance to the people. And I started thinking that this this belongs to, or this, this can be tied up to, these people have studied law, obviously, and it's more like a academic sort of way of approaching um, um, knowledge. So my in my experiences, these people are not the, right what is it left-sided or right-sided brain <laughs> you know there are the less emotional more um rational uh, yeah. logic thinking you know not the artistic creative people and that somehow you know it, it would be harder for them to understand i think the narrative of why customer experience is good for business and then as soon as you explain to these people with figures and numbers and we've talked about this a lot they see the value and they actually see that a good customer or client experience could drive um, business values and and drive, you know, revenue and all of that. Uh, But initially they were sort of, this was, they were strangers to the fact that should we involve ourselves with these clients? Like they are, they are basically just paying us to do something and we help them with, you know, very formal wording and contracts and you sign here and this is it. And there, there is no, you know, there are no smileys in the email com- communication between a lawyer and their client. You know, this was the whole impression that I got back then. Uh, and slowly we sort of found that they wanted to lean into this and understand why is everybody else talking about this? They wanted to learn more. And then I left this job. So I sort of didn't get to follow them. <laughs> it goes all the way through. Um, but then there's another approach, which is also because I've been just, again, for various reasons, been in dialogue with, you know, either it's a lawyer at work or, you know, I've had some, you, you know, I've also done my whole, if I die, this is what I want happening to my belongings and Your my testament. health. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I find that they're very impersonal and they're very like, there's nothing in between there. It's just purely, um, it's negotiations and it's business. And I've always thought these guys really need to step up their game. Mm. And um, yeah, I've I've been thinking about scenarios like you get an invoice. They don't even have the time to explain to you what it is. They just expect you to pay it because this is, you know, it's it's a bit of an arrogance, I suppose. But it's just my impressions. And this this is why it's so interesting to hear from you because you've actually been working with these. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's such a shame that you've had that impression. And of course, I think that uh, within this industry, as it is in any industry, it's very uh, person um, uh, dependent. Yeah, it depends which uh, people you come in interaction with, which is why I also truly commend this company who have actually taken the step to impact. Uh, human centricity and they've actually taken the time to involve all of the employees or the lawyers in this program um mm. but um i have to say my impression and also i mean we, we've done research is that uh uh this company in particular are uh definitely human centric and they already had that 
um, mindset when they went mm -hmm. into this project. Uh, and it was very much um, uh, the findings that, that came out were, were really, yeah, the, you know, the customers that have been there for almost ever, <laughs> um, you know, that, that keep returning and, and the um, ambassadorship that they create word of mouth um, because they've had good experiences was very, very strong. So yeah. um, another thing that I've been just reflecting upon is, you know, the fact that these guys have a specific type of competency that not everyone has. Right. Yeah. So uh, when we talked about COVID uh, and we talk about, you know, whatever crisis is going on in the world, uh, we talk about marketing or sales, we can talk about a brand or we can talk about a politician stealing sunglasses or, you know, which has been the case in Norway. So everybody gets to have an opinion. Um, yeah. But when it comes to the pandemic, you know, the medicine in it, and if you're in a hospital, we keep telling doctors that, you know, you need to remember that this is a child. They have to talk to the children, not talk above their head to the parents. This is a big part of the a patient experience that yeah. you have in hospitals. And I think these sort of businesses, these industries that have so specific competency that the everyday, you know, the every, uh, everyone like you and me and, and whoever, we don't walk around knowing how this works. Mm. And that demands a certain um, empathy. You know, that they are, yeah. Empathy and being humble yeah. because you know, there is there is a reason why I need this lawyer, because if I didn't need it, I would do it myself. But I'm totally blank. So you need to be not only my advisor, but you need to hold my hand. You might have to be a little bit of a parent or a friend or a psychologist or, you know, mm. and, and that makes I think that makes it even more important that these roles are actually good at like with the police example as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, part of this project, so I can tell you a little bit about the project, that the yes. the aim of the project was to create, to craft a customer experience vision, to craft customer promises and um, create this, this guidebook. Uh, I was forgetting what I was going to say now, so one second. <laughs> you started the, pro the program, right, because they wanted to become more client-centric and they involved yes. all the employees. Yes, and that is like the the kind of mindset that that we took with us when we actually went into uh, uh, developing this pro program. But to be able to work with lawyers as a consultant, um, it's it whenever I go into any industry, you need to do market research to find out what are the actual what's the situation within the world of the legal environment now. And um, the market research um, I did, there's, there's some actually some great reports available. I think it's called Clio, who does every single year a report on the legal industry. And they also relate it to the client, customer client um, experience. And from, I think, uh, the first study, well, the first report that I read, 2018, it's clients or customers want and what lawyers actually think that they want. And for example, I think it was uh, weekly in communication. I think 46% of, of clients wanted weekly communication where 24% of lawyers thought that they would want uh, weekly communication. So it's a huge disparity. Mm. Um, and then they've also been, they've gone through this massive change with everybody else because of COVID, for example, with that yeah. suddenly they went from uh, to having many more communication channels, which has been 
you know, we have to be empathetic also with the lawyers um, who are working with this because they were not used to having to deal with clients in so many different channels. Mm -hmm. Um, And now they're up in a total technology transformation as well. You know, there's new case management tools coming. There's new uh, CRM systems, Netigate, you know, using voice of the customer platforms. There's, um, you know, being empathetical to the employees is really important because this is a challenge for them because what they know, they know law, they know cases, uh, but now they're having to become uh, also digital (laughs) nomads, so to say. Yeah. Um, Yeah, just just a comment. I'm not going to steal your flow, but, you know, this again proves that you cannot have a customer experience responsible in a law firm. Everyone needs to understand what the customer experience is. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, and that's why um, the way we did it was that the first thing we did was um, after we sort of uh, understood all of the the major goals and objectives that were already in place and the, their brand platform that they'd already created, we involved all the employees and we had a really interactive workshop that just went out on, okay, what do we already promise our customers? Um, what kind of, we, we talked and we learned about emotions. <laughs> mm-hmm. What kind of emotional experience do we wish to evoke or do we think is important in the relationship with our customers? So we sort of started gathering information and creating engagement and we did it with them first before we went out to talk with the clients to find out what was important for them. That is really important because if we'd have done it the other way and have talked with the clients first, it would be more difficult. It would be like you're pulling information over my head. But what what happened was that we got a lot of um, agreement from the clients. What the lawyer said was right. Um, And maybe we discovered some new things. But when we come back and say, you know, we also discovered that this is really important the acceptance and the buy-in is so much easier because they've already been involved in the process. Um, And we were able to actually put all this information together uh, from both the lawyers and the employees, from the the clients and the customers, and craft a customer experience vision and customer promises that they all felt that they could take ownership for. Um, Uh, yeah, and then you talked about this end result being some kind of book, basically, or like a a guide. Yeah. So what we what did, did is, yeah. So we, after we had the vision and the promises in place and the target emotions for the different stages, we brought everybody into a workshop where we actually sat down and worked through stage by stage, touch point by touch point. What do we need to do to deliver on this uh, on these promises? What do we need to do to evoke these emotions when we meet our clients? So everybody was involved in this process and their answers were what founded the customer experience guidebook. And um, I mean, I th- honestly, I think absolutely every company should have a customer experience guidebook. If you think about the employee handbook, the first day where you come to work and you get an employee handbook full of rules and regulations and um, you know, I think the first thing you should give them is a customer experience guidebook, which is more about or it, it could, you know, it's human centric guidebook. It's like 
These are the people we interact with. This is our promises to them. This mm -hmm. is how we believe we can uh, deliver on this. And to make it also a bit of an experience, so it's not a dull and boring, but like a really nice, beautiful narrative book mm -hmm. that kickstarts any employees. Uh, yeah, but I think, I think you're right. And I think this, this uh, customer experience guidebook in any company should be such a big part of their onboarding process. Yeah. Like this is how we see our customers. So basically everyone should go through this uh, process that you've been uh, helping these guys with. So, so what do people do? Like if they sit there now thinking, wow, we really need to do this at our place. Who, how do they approach you? Like, how would they, can you help them? Do you have the capacity to help others with this? Absolutely. Even if you're not in the lawyer business or industry? Absolutely. And we've done this project also with uh, other industries, um, with um, internet, TV, uh, um, communication, um, even with the funeral company. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah. it is, it's transferable really for, for everybody. And, and I think we've got a really nice uh, framework now that works really well, which is adaptable and scalable for for different uh, company sizes. So I, uh, they know where to find me on, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I think it's really yeah. interesting. And I think this is also such a good help for companies and especially maybe the small ones who haven't gotten big yet, but who are growing. Yeah. Uh, you can sort of set the standard on, on this customer focus because it costs so much to turn a non-customer centric organization into a customer centric organization after you've grown too big. It is so much easier just having this focus from the start. And basically what you need to get started is this, and it's, it, I'm, I'm realizing it's sounding like a commercial for you now, Joanna, but to be honest, yeah, no, sorry. I, I actually, <laughs> no, but we should actually, we should actually do this sort of as a podcast episode slash commercial, because I think if more people were to do, or more companies were to do this, um, then customer centricity and even human centricity would be such a bigger part of, you know, the organization's DNA. Yeah. And that, you know, again, I've, I've kept, and I just, this is, you know, from the business trip that I just came home from, what we've been talking about so many times during this trip is we need to be proactive when we deal with customers, because if we don't stop the fire before it escalates, it's going to be so much more expensive for us to, to shut it down yeah. in two weeks than if we just deal with it now. So it may be that we have to invest something to get the case closed. But, you know, all these theories, all this understanding, if everybody knew this from the beginning, I think we would see a lot more customer centric companies. And then these companies could spend way more money on developing better products, better services, creating good experiences for both their, their employees as well. Right. And, yeah. and being progressive. So yeah. um, it's, it's really, really um, what you say is, you know, like a cliche, you need to you need to start to learn how to walk before you can run. And uh, it's so much easier to 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 walk. Yeah, mm. bad analogy, but I think you catch my point. No, I think you've spot on, and it actually relates. Um, I was talking today actually with a customer experience manager in a company, and she she drew up this uh, curve which every business takes. You know that you when you start, you're you're on an upward, 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 and then at some point it will start going uh, yeah. down, and yeah. And, and we were discussing when would be the right time to do this kind of program. And, and she said, very often what happens is they do it when you start going down because you're trying to repair. <laughs> mm -hmm. But of course, as you just said, Marietta, you need to do it 
um, when you're on the upward uh, spiral. And and as she, as she said, you know, I think we are on uh, a journey. Probably many companies are on the what should I say the cusp of a bad, potentially yeah. a down uh, spiral. But we're not there yet. So this is the time to invest in, in activities like that. It is the time to invest in engagement, culture building, um, building customer centric organizations so that we're able to handle the, the challenges that, that might be in front of us uh, in the future. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I also think I just remembered this. There was this post on LinkedIn by Yannick, our friend at the Norwegian CX Network. And we were discussing um, a lot of different things, but one of the things that it reminded me of was how incredible, how incredibly uh, sort of um, low. Uh, yeah, I don't have the words now. But so working with customers has never been very high end. Like if you're if you're in the cash register at some store, you know, being a waiter when you're a student to pay, you know, to get the ends to meet, it's never been a very um high-end type of job working with in the service industry like mm. we've always looked down on those people who have these jobs uh and i'm a little sick and tired of it and and especially academically we see now that the effect that you know treating customers well that it has on the bottom line on so so many big organizations mm. we should be ashamed how we've talked about these these um uh, jobs and these workers yeah. and just to just to because it's you and because it's our podcast i can do this i want to pull it just a bit further mm. um if you go back to the oldest job in the world and you know which job i'm talking about the women right mm. who were there to please whatever men who came by and paying for their services don't try even to tell me that these women didn't know that they, if they could sort of personalize that man, man's experience don't tell me that they didn't understand the value of giving those guys a good experience for a return. And after all, this was their job. And, you know, it's it's a, it's a delicate subject and we're not going to go into, you know, women's rights and all of that. But just as an example, hmm. they knew and they were looking down at. But exactly the, the competency or the experiences that they made being in this line of work hmm. is now what we're you know, looking at this is what's creating big business for so many companies today, you know, in the commercial world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I think uh, we should be careful looking down on people working in the service industry because what they're learning, and I've always said hospitality, restaurants, bars, you know, if you get the whole a hold of somebody who studied something afterwards but have some experience from these industries, mm. you know, they're always going to be good customer ambassadors for you. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Maretta. Mm. So maybe some of the lawyers in this company that you've been working with actually actually have some service industry experience. Yeah, yeah, that could well be well be the case. Absolutely. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. we have to round off. Yes. If people Thank want to hear for... more about this, they can contact you. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um... Yeah, I think that was uh, a, a great. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a nice warm up for uh, conversation for women in CX. Uh. <laughs> and when is this gonna be tomorrow, or it's gonna be today? Actually, because it's going to be today. Yeah, yeah. So at today at one o'clock. Can people sign up for it? 
Yeah, I think, uh, well, it is part of the Women in CX community, so you need to be part of the community. But, of course, the great thing with the community is that everything that we do is um, in the resource library. So if uh, we've got an if ACX... you can catch it tomorrow, you can always... And join. Yeah, so they can yep. always join. But, uh, but let's see, maybe I make it into a webinar as well for... And we will definitely put some information in the episode details. Yeah. Episode notes. All right. Oh. Well, thanks for today, Joanna. It was Thank a you, Marissa. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye bye. <laughs>